The following is an archival presentation of The Sands of Time, hosted by Joyce Johnson. Before her passing in 2014, Joyce spent more than 25 years recording interviews with her fascinating neighbors. WOMR is committed to preserving this archive and sharing it with our listeners. Some of the material has become dated, but it remains as interesting and vital as ever. Good evening, this is Joyce Johnson with the Sands of Time, a program that deals with the history, past, present, and future of the Lower Cape through interviews with its unique citizenry. Today, we will once again be hearing a program taped last year in which Julia Cohen interviews Provincetown resident and historian Grace Collinson. We will be repeating this series of tapes made by Julia for the next few weeks as Grace tells us about the origins and customs of the Portuguese colony in Provincetown. Now here's Julia Cohen. Welcome to Provincetown Roots, a presentation of the Special Programming Department of WOMR-FM. My name is Julia Cohen, and I will be your host for this second program of Provincetown Roots. The uh, first program, we uh, had Grace Collinson on, and she was discussing, in combination with her own poetry, uh, the beginning settlements of the Portuguese in Provincetown. And we will continue with Grace, who was here uh, with us, with the story of the Cape Verdean Portuguese who came to Provincetown and settled. And uh, she will discuss where they settled and what they were doing um, in the early years of Provincetown history. And then she will continue on with the Azorians and the Continental people. Welcome, Grace. The first time that I talked here about the heritage, the Portuguese heritage, I mentioned the four groups of people. No, perhaps I didn't mention them. I probably mentioned just the uh, um, the the Cape Verdean and left it at, at that. But I'm coming back to start there again. The preponderant part of the the uh, Migration on by the uh, Cape Verdeans went to Boston, Falmouth, and Harwich, towns on the Cape. Some those of Falmouth became um, farmers or as are men of importance to the captains of the whaling and the and the um, grand bankers of, of Falmouth and the rest petered down somehow to Provincetown six so that there were about between six and eight families of the Puerto of the uh, not Puerto Ricans but of the uh, um, what are the, oh, the uh, 
Cape Verdean. And they settled up in the west, extreme end of the town, the uh, above what we call now the uh, Franklin Street, right out in the back there where there were pawns. The women, the, the wives and the mothers, had gardens, swamp gardens. And, and they would uh, take care of them and then sell the produce as one means of, of uh, supporting families while the husbands went on the long trips uh, either as a grand banker north to Nova Scotia or they went throughout the, uh, the Pacific and the southern Atlantic Ocean uh, whaling. Then we had, uh, then we had the, oh no, I think that in this part here, because we are in still in the, uh, in, in the time, uh, the weeks or uh, days, celebrating Christmas, which to all the Portuguese people, regardless of the, the from where they came, lasts about two days before Christmas and way up to January 6th, 12th night. The, and the, each group was similar, had things which, or observances similar. And yet they, at the same time, they had observations, and I mean observances, and uh, um, programs which unlike each, unlike it to, uh, uh, to each other. The uh, Cape Verdeans had pre presented on open house times the kanja made out of made of it's a glorified chicken soup. They had couscous. They had little cakes. They had wine. But the important thing of their celebration, and rather unique, was the camaraderie uh, uh, um, that existed amongst the members of the group. They may not be talking by December 15th, but as it approached December 25th, they suddenly broke down barriers and they were what we would call comadres and compadres again. In other words, talking mm -hmm. to each other and friendly and exchanging things. Uh, that's, they had, uh, um, and their, their big highlight was making sure that everybody was happy on that occasion. They visited the, the old, the, where they had great respect for the old people. There were no old age homes, but every house that had a, an elderly woman, and an elderly woman at that time could be in her 50s, because where they came from, and where the early Portuguese here, to live to be 50 was an old, old ripe age. And now they are a little lost sometimes and know, what in the world am I doing here at the <laughs> age of 90? 
<laughs> and they think that there's something special, you know, not giving credit to the times, but just credit to their own good behavior. <laughs> and uh, but it's uh, it's it was interesting to see. Now we have then we come to the second group that which followed the uh, the the Cape Verdeans, and they were the Azorians. The Azores have nine islands, but the the the, the islands, the favorite islands from, but no, I won't say favorite, but the islands from which most of them came, would be the Fayal or Saint Michael. It, it would be from uh, the Flores, that means flower, the, the the island that has beautiful gardens. Mm -hmm. It would be from Saint George. That was a popular one too, and Saint George. I I'll say he was sidetrack a little to see what what had what what they did. People who came, the first generation of com people coming from Saint George here, and saw what what opportunities they had for young people working, making them, or even uh, getting married and owning a home and so forth were so good compared to what their island offered them that they did a thing extraordinary. Now I'll go back a little about the way the, the, the island of St. George is structured. It was just on rock. They had very, very difficult to grow things. So when they came to a place like Provincetown, it was level. Right, and you could just could put put your hand down and grab a handful of uh, soil, was in itself so beautiful, <laughs> and it had to be fertile. So, the ones the Avant God would finance girls of their family or neighbor families in from the uh, Saint George and pass, pay for their coming here. And uh, they could pay back if they would. Right. Or they, they might marry, all of them married. And there's still, there's only one left. One left of that first group to come. One left. left and she's almost 100 years old. Never went back. There, uh, I, may, I remember making this statement uh, uh, describing this group in particular I was told that they were compared to endangered servants they were not mm. endangered you know they just came but the graciousness and the and the uh, and also the uh, um, the kindness of their and their neighbors and they came and they married and the children now and, and grandchildren are teachers and doctors and so forth it's a, wonder, a wonderful thing they have lost however the speech the speech, they lose it after the second or third generation right, in right. this country. We don't, they didn't expect it. It hurt the grandmother. But then by the same token, the grandmother did not learn English. Mm -hmm. So that it was a give and a take. Now you come to, uh, I'll now go into the other group that this, this is the, um, the Azorian by far, the biggest group of all. And they came going towards the town, the center of the town. They were the 
um, the Cape Verdeans up in the extreme end and slowly going to the other way. It's going east. Came the um, uh, the Azorians, and predominantly from uh, Franklin Street, today's Franklin Street, down, should I say, to Court Street. Right. And they went into the back and to the front, Front Street, I mean Commercial and Bradford Street, Montello, Conant, and all. Amazingly enough, they lived in the in the in the in the streets on the streets named after pilgrims. Don't ask me why. And then later on, another the other group too did it for the where pilgrims <laughs> named for pilgrims. Um, these people, largest numbers, not all illiterate. Uh, ambitious people, but they had their own, they created their own little ghetto, and it was a long time before they dressed, they cooked, they lived, and they thought American. Because the greater the group of which you are a part, the harder it is to get away from it and learn new. So they depended upon uh, their children. But they were known to each other, more or less. Some of them were known to each other in the, uh, in the in, on the island from which they, they came, the, uh, from the Azores. They, had, they did not have the hardest time. They bought their own houses. They found a man who was a, um, a Portuguese builder who built them houses very reasonably. Right. And so they owned homes then. And they went out to work. And they washed clothes. The women washed clothes. The women went to clean uh, houses. And uh, so they survived. The third, oh, and their, their Christmas celebration was rather unique, very unique. It was, it's called the Nin Jesus, which means Jesus the child. Mm -hmm. Jesus is never, on the Christ scene, made into a baby, never a baby. It's, he's three or four years old. And he's put on the altars maybe three altars, five, five, um, uh, what I would call five rises, and he's placed up at the top, duly dressed, in satin with little beads of pearl, pearl beads, and, uh, and looking very wealthy, and he's proud, he's, he has a, a little hole in his foot, and the, then and on, on the pedestal is a little piece of wire, and the wire has to fit <laughs> into the little hole to hold him standing up, holding the world. A little crown, and he stands all alone on that one shelf, one altar, that's the top altar. Then the second one is a crown, a special crown. Uh, it has curative powers. powers. And and it's uh, he gets he gets a credit 
but he doesn't use it for himself. He says it there that he can control so that the strength, his strength goes into the, the crown and that in turn will go to the person. Then low below that, the statues of Joseph and Mary, who after all, biblically, fathered and, and uh, mothered this, this, this baby, this baby. No, I'm not yet. Uh, yes, it may be that, the third, or maybe the fourth, that there is one object to um, signify the Lord, God. And that is a dove attached to a little wire that's so tight that it springs back and forth like a spring and attached to a piece of mahogany, highly polished wood. And he represents the spirit of God, God's spirit. So that if you ask for something in the name of the Christ child and you acquire it, then you tie a little bow around the neck of the dove, signifying right. that you did get your wish. And then, then the altar, the, the rest of the altars, if you have whatever, are made up of all the other saints that are in the whole compartment of heaven. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and now the decorations go with candles, all candles, white candles. There will be uh, and a thing called trig, which is uh, the wheat. They put the wheat, you see, they can't afford flowers, evidently. They couldn't afford um, growth, yet they have to have symbolic growth. And that is, they put the, the seed in, in, de in, an, uh, in a glass, because glass magnifies the sun as it pours into something. And uh, they put and they put water, just covering the seed, put it into a closet, and wait three or four days, and the seed comes up. And that was their decoration, because it was winter time, and there wasn't everything growing. And it was and life. It, and it was life. And this, is, this was the important thing. They did, however, have roses, mm -hmm. because in some of the islands, they uh, didn't have winter, severe winter, and put roses. And then the place, the other rest of it was uh, full of, uh, um, full of uh, uh, flowers or whatever they, they want to as gifts. Right. And, and that was called the Menin Jesus. Now, was this altar uh, unique only to the Azorians? But then later on, everybody else came in. And then they would put a candle in the window are uh, not a candle in the window. Mm -hmm. And if they had a candle in the window, it signified to the bards. Now the bards, there were people, no matter for what group, there were people who select, who, who organized themselves into going around playing songs, playing the guitars, or a flute, or sometimes the accordion, and sometimes just singing. And if the child, if they were drinking in the house, drinks to be had in the house, there would be a lighted candle put in the window. Mm -hmm. and, a, um, and they would knock at the door and ask, it does, is the baby wet 
made the baby dry. And if the baby were wet, then they to come in and partake of what they had on the line of drinks. That was the Azorian, very important. Uh, and each, now you have two different, uh, two different groups. Two groups, each celebrating, but still with the basic thing of not a, a child in the manger, but a child already who had great power. Already grown. Mm -hmm. And uh, and where this group had um, the crown, the uh, the first group that I told you about, the, the Cape Verdean, had a scepter. Then uh, something developed here that I happened to have made a study of the people. Well, the, they brought these things over from from, from Portugal. Portugal, wrapped up in their uh, usually in their mattresses, because their mattresses were not made of. Uh, uh, just the stuffing that that uh, the early American uh, ones were made of. They they were made of lamb's wool, oh. and they were soft. Therefore, they could sneak anything they wanted inside of the mattress, and no one would be safe, and then nothing would would get hurt or cracked or broken. So uh, they. Uh, they had and they kept and and uh, and they're still in use to this day because you never sell it. You you may give it, give us the set over, and uh, or they in, they inherited. I think I said that. Uh, so there are still some of these altars left in Provincetown. Mm -hmm, there are. And, it's, and they're beautiful to see. I had one, I resurrected the idea of it uh, in when I wasn't a senior citizen. And so that upon the, the most of its people were senior citizens. And the thing that I discovered, I came across one that, one that was so old that the saints were dressed in Roman clothes. Wow. That meant at the time that Julius Caesar. The time of, do you know where that, how far back that goes? It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Somewhere, this is where they thought. And the and togas and sandals. Oh, that, oh, that surprised me. Sounds like it. contemporary Provincetown in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> But it's that it must have had a, a rich background to have, to it, it must have been started way back, way back in the Roman days, or a little after the Roman days. Now they, I told you, and these people now, they have a special food. They have saved fish. They have fish, boiled fish and potatoes, and. Um, uh, with the lemon or, or vinegar, and if they have killed a pig, they had to have killed, killed a pig. They would have sausages mm -hmm. to given, and um, and then they would also fry bread, little crouton, you call them croutons, I think, and you fry them, and then they would make uh, cakes of them or breads of them. They would make masa salada, which is, means they would make it uh, sweet bread. And I think you've seen it perhaps. I've, I've seen the sweet bread. And they would put little gifts in, in the bread. 
that would be scoured and, and then whosoever ate it or opened it, they might find a ring that the man or the man or the woman who ate that piece was sure either to be, if he were married then he'd be divorced and if he <laughs> were di not married then he would be married. <laughs> so the uh, so that uh, uh, that was in up in this uh, it was up in the uh, east west western the Azorians. The Azorians were th people apart. Um, they were not snobs. Very hard workers and very religious. And you will find in from Europe that because they are so poor, poor and don't have uh, what other nations or even communities have, they make up in religious fervor and so forth and so on. And they did speak to each other. They did. Yeah, but they did. All, did all groups communicate with each other? Not yet. No, not. No, the time is going to come yet in history when they didn't. When there was a section, there were um, wars. Right. But up until now, the Cape Verdeans and the Azorians were uh, communicating. And they were communicating. They were next door neighbors, as it were, except mm -hmm. that one was in the hinterland and the other was in the land before. And I come here now and tell you that the earliest. First, I discovered that uh, the earliest mention of a Portuguese in the town of Provincetown would be in seven in the 1700s. I came across that only yesterday. But it's long been known that the earliest one came in 1803, and he was a boy of about 14. Mm -hmm. He was picked up by the pilot, pirates, and the, and the captain of the pirates got sick, and he had to be left on what we call the new beach today, Herring Cove Beach, to go to a doctor. And the boy, they chose the boy to to uh, guide the, the captain of the boat, while the boat couldn't very well stay there because then uh, they would be reported and uh, be caught. So they uh, let the boy go, and the boy took care of the man in Provincetown. And when the man was well, when the captain was well, he just let the... Uh, um, he asked the boy, he had a choice, to stay or to go further back with him. And he would pay, get well paid. And the boy chose to stay. To stay. And he was the, he was a name, his name was Emmanuel Caton. Mm-hmm. But I have discovered another one earlier than that. In the 1700s. But he was, he's been recognized as and strange to relate, there's always been a Caton in Provincetown, but not anymore. It's within the last uh, four years. There's no, no, kind of, no. Oh, I beg your pardon, there's only one. One Caton, that's right. One, one, left. Case, one left. Okay, I think that um, it's, it's time to uh, wrap up this uh, second program of Provincetown Roots. And uh, Provincetown Roots is a new special program on WOMR-FM, uh, a program that is dedicated to the preservation of the oral history in Provincetown. And uh, we thank Grace Collinson very much for being a 
uh, continuous guest on Provincetown Roots and for contributing to uh You have been listening to Grace Collinson of Provincetown, interviewed by Julia Cohen in a program called Provincetown Roots, which then was renamed as the Sands of Time in order to encompass the history of the Lower Cape. Join us each second and fourth week for the Sands of Time. Your engineer today is Tom Conklin, your host, Joyce Johnson. Have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this episode from the archives of Joyce Johnson. Although some of the material may have been dated, we here at WOMR think it's important to continue to share it with our listeners.